Hey guys, Dean with the Two Party Podcast. I just wanted to share uh, one of the platforms we use uh, for our podcast. Uh, it's called Anchor. Uh, it is a free platform. They have creation tools that allow you to record, edit uh, your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Um, Anchor will distribute your podcast on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, uh, most, most all the platforms that you want to reach, you can, you can reach through Anchor. So I encourage you guys to go check it out. Um, again, it's free and it's called Anchor. Have a great day. Hey, hey, everybody! This is Dean with the Two Party Podcast. I'm on here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pronounce it again and do it right. Uh, it's Yehudit Silverman, and she's with us this morning, and um, she's just got a great story, a great career path, and just. Uh, she, she really just has so much to share with you guys that I'm not sure we can do it all in one episode, but we're going to try to fit in what we can and, and, um, and most importantly, promote where, what she's doing in, in her life. Um, so uh, go ahead, uh, Yehudi, go ahead and um, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, how you got to where you are, and maybe some of the journey you've been on that's got you where you are. Mm, yes, thank you, and thank you for having me. For sure. When I was growing up, I spent a lot of time hanging upside down from trees, reading books. I think I liked the idea of stories and also the perspective of being upside down. I went to a school where there were very few Jewish students, so I experienced a lot of anti-Semitism and the feeling of being the other, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have experienced for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So being alone on the playground, I, I wanted to be different. I wanted straight hair and bangs. <laughs> and, uh, but I learned that in my imagination and my creativity, that was really healing. I also had a brother that was born with a heart condition. And this was before open heart surgery. So we were always aware if his lips were blue, he couldn't run. Um, he often had headaches and difficulty breathing. So I learned that bad things happen to good people. Mm -hmm. But I also learned it matters how you respond. And my brother was the most enthusiastic person I know. He learned how to do the twist first, <laughs> drop down, laughed at all my ridiculous jokes. Um, sadly, he died at 46 from a heart attack. But I feel like uh, his life really taught me about living fully. And I also grew up with myth and fairy tale. My grandmother would read me fairy tales on the couch. And I listened to records of Greek myths. So this was a big part of my, my world. And then, uh, as many teens, I was a really sullen, unhappy, rebellious teen, got into trouble. Uh, and then discovered dance. And I went to Sarah Lawrence College and took dance very seriously, learned discipline. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated um, to make a living, I taught dance. And interestingly, one of my students um, asked me if I would work with her. She could only speak in, in a voice like this. She couldn't talk above this. And she had what's called selective mutism, okay. 
for years, she had this condition and doctors couldn't find out what it was, but she couldn't talk normally. So she asked me to work with her. I had no training as a therapist. <laughs> I wasn't sure what she meant by work. I said, look, let's meet. I won't charge you. We'll just meet. So I brought in the idea of stories and she chose the story of Snow White. And one day when she was in a uh, a container that was in the room that was representing the glass casket from the story. She banged on it and yelled in a normal voice, let me out. When I told her afterwards, she didn't believe me. So next time I recorded her. So we worked together and she slowly regained her voice. She felt I had cured her, but I knew the truth. It wasn't me, it was the story and it was the creativity. That really healed. So that started my journey and I went back to school, studied dance therapy, drama therapy, somatic therapies, and then started working in hospitals and bringing that work to different clients. So I think that my experience of being the other, having a brother with a heart condition and myths and fairy tales all sort of came together in this approach, the story within myth and fairy tale. And, and the story within is also the book that you've, you've written. Yes, um, I recently published a book and the book takes readers through a step-by-step -step creative arts therapies process of discovering your own story, the story that calls to you and going through different uh, creative mediums with that story and the goal is really to uncover and access hidden and inaccessible aspects of ourselves. and I think we all have that absolutely mm -hmm. and yep. sometimes they're hard to get to you know like yep. we discussed uh, we had a guest on yesterday and we discussed a little bit um, you know um, I guess every episode I have an opportunity using this platform to kind of I guess it's therapy for me. So every time I have a guest or we, or we discuss certain things, I have an opportunity to kind of discuss a little bit about my background and um, very dysfunctional background, grew up in a very dysfunctional, abusive home. Um, my father uh, was a murderer uh, and a drug dealer and just lived a very horrific life. My mother uh, fortunately got us away from that um, in the midst of being kidnapped, um, used as human shields in a police shootout while they tried to get custody of us from my father. Um, there, there was just multiple really horrific things that went on. Um, and, and I, luckily my mom was, was a strong woman and she got us away from it. She went, she went back to school. She really just stood up and just, just took her role as a, as a single mother very seriously. And she got us counseling and she got us help. So we were able to work through those things. And, um, you know, yeah, it, it, exactly like you just said, um, the, the things that we bury and the things that are deep, um, while, while a lot of the counseling had helped me, Obviously, later in life, I went through paths that I, sh you know, obviously shouldn't have done. I, you know, it was my journey. It's where it got me where I am now. But those same things that we thought, you know, counseling would subside or counseling would help, they didn't because those things were still issues in me. And, and whether it came out in drinking or came out in, in my addiction um, or just making poor choices, uh, just not having that, that example of, you know, uh, whether it be the structured good family or just having worked through those things enough um to really understand them and understand why they would affect me and how i can work about not letting them affect me 
Um, and, and what I love about what I'm hearing that you do is the creative. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've always been really good at art and drawing and, and sketching. I've never really taken it to a new level um, and really focused on it, but I've always, over the years, I've always had a sketchbook or drawings or journaling. Um, and, and I've always considered myself pretty talented. I just never jumped on that, that artistic side of myself. But the creativity, I, I love that because um, I know there's so many therapists that work in that capacity. Um, as far as like they'll bring somebody in or, or maybe a child that's kind of difficult to work with and, and, and they'll start off with art and they'll start off maybe with reading and then work their way into the talk therapy. And, and that's why I think the dynamic of what you do is quite amazing. Mm -hmm. um, well, first of all, I'm really moved by your story. Wow, like you, it's almost mythic and the obstacle yeah. all the way. And yet oh, yeah. you model of your mother. Mm -hmm made this transformation like that. Mm -hmm. she was very strong very strong mm -hmm. yeah i think the creative arts are are so healing because often what's inside of us can feel overwhelming and when we create something it becomes something that's outside of us something we can look at something we can work with so it's less overwhelming whether it's art whether it's drama whether it's music and it's very life-giving. That's mm -hmm. the, about the arts, right? They're very yeah. and inspiring, and and they tap into our own resilience. Yeah, Be, being able to to take a thought or idea and make it make it tangible, make it real. Exactly, exactly. And I think I think that there are so many layers in our psyche, and often what happens in therapy is that we can stay on one layer. Mm -hmm. and circle around yep. the same stories, the same narrative of who we are, mm -hmm. those deeper layers that we can't even touch on that come out through the arts and also come out through using myth and fairy tale. Mm -hmm. And so, so how many, I mean, how many, do you do regular sessions with people or is just this just, ha, have you just had an opportunity through the things you do um, to, to, to really work with people? Um, or is this something you engage in in your daily life? Um, I was very privileged to be able to work in hospitals. So I worked with um, very diverse populations and it was amazing to be able to bring in this idea of creativity and stories. For example, I worked with uh, a young girl suffering from anorexia. Uh, severely so. She was hooked up to a heart monitor. Mm -hmm. About 55 pounds. And she was about 14, 15. And um, she was really not compliant at all with eating. And I went in and I sat down on her bed and I felt something very squishy underneath me. <laughs> and uh, I sort of picked it up and realized, okay, this is her food that she was supposed mm -hmm. to eat. So she began to deny it. And I just threw it away and said, Tell me about stories that you like. So she told me about The Wizard of Oz. And we worked with The Wizard of Oz. And she, um, she chose the character of Dorothy. The tornado was her eating disorder. But basically, she thought it was very healing because it took her to Oz, which was this magical place of starvation. And I realized when, in working with her that there was no way she was going to get help from the doctors who she really saw as evil witches right. unless she could really embody this. Mm -hmm. 
So one day she embodied the tornado and she was spinning like on her bed, kind of moving around. And she did this maniacal laugh and then stopped and started crying. And I think that was the first time she realized that it was destructive. And then slowly but surely, it took a long time, but she got better. And I really feel like it was the story that allowed her to witness that, to see that this was destructive. People telling her that didn't matter. Mm -hmm. She was up to a heart monitor, didn't yeah. matter, uh, which is hard for us to believe. But I, uh, so that was one of the ways in which I feel like um, the story within, I got to use it in hospitals. It's, it's really amazing, um, you know, and, and even her story, you know, in the place that she's at, like you said, she's on a heart monitor. She's got so many other things going on. And, and, and really at the heart of it is this eating disorder. And, and, you know, to break through to that in the middle of everything else going on, but yet it, it, it really taking a matter of her, her tying this in with you with a story in that creativity for her to be able to label things as they are kind of how you explained it, you know, like the tornado is this part of it, the disaster of it. And, and for her to be able to link all those things up and then have a moment where she can break through. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I, over the years, I, I think I've had a lot of breakthroughs, um, but it wasn't really up until um, I, I would say about six years ago that I really, really started taking a good look in the mirror. Uh, so to speak, um, and really just kind of reflecting on what I see in the mirror, what I like and dislike about myself, not what I dislike to the point where I want to get rid of it, but to the point where I have to recognize that that's who I am. Mm. And I have to love the person that's in the mirror and, and even the flaws. I have to I have to learn to love the things that I don't care about, whether it's be cosmetic or physical or. Um, and, and so I, that's about six years ago, I really started taking an emotional, spiritual and physical journey. Um, two years ago, more physical than ever. Um, I was diagnosed many, many years ago, about, well, about 2010, 2009, with uh, both my heart valves were failing. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was also fighting for custody of my son. And so mm -hmm. I was in the middle of a custody battle and, and then looking at having to have open heart surgery, have both my valves replaced, um, which would, would have prevented me from having custody of my son because mm -hmm. I would have been laid up in a hospital for, you know, healing up for several months. And um, you know, I, I chose, I chose not to, I chose not to have open heart surgery. I chose that my, I put my son first while a lot of people were like, you, you really should go get the surgery. And that way you can be here for your son. Cause if you don't make it through the, if your heart fails, you're not going to be here for your son. And I said, you know, I think it's more important right now that I'm, I, I fight for my son and I fight to get custody of my son so that I can be a better father. And, and then we can work with the, with the health issues together. Mm. Um, and fortunately he was young enough then that, that, you know, that, that wasn't a, a, a huge issue. Um, fast forwarding many, many, you know, uh, all the way up to 2014, 2015, I think is when I, my heart doctor finally cleared me. So, uh, and able, able to go back to work, changed my lifestyle, quit drinking, quit smoking, quit eat. Uh, I was eating better. Um, all these things that contributed to all of my tests that I had to do every three months, getting better every test. And to the point where I finally, um, you know, I, I don't, I keep nitroglycerin with me, um, but I don't have to have the heart surgery yet. Um, I don't have to um, live on certain medications yet. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure at some point, maybe in the future, I may have to have that or be, be revisit that. But um, it was just important to me at that time that, that I was there for my son and, and got through this battle. Um, 
And, and that was one of the hurdles for me that took me a minute. Um, and also as part of a, a journey of just kind of self-discovery of, of learning to love myself. Um, and, and through loving my son and, and fighting for custody of him, I learned kind of to love myself a little more. Um, but you talk about um, the, the stories and the myths. And, and I look back at, at times where part of me getting through that moment was reading stories to my son. Part of that was literally laying in the bed with my 18 month old son um, that I just got custody of and just reading stories to him um, and, and how that bond came about. And, you know, um, I didn't get to see him for 18 months. Of, you know, he was when he was born, his mother um, uh, had used drugs. So when he was born, he was intubated. Um, this is a woman that I, I never really dated. I, I, it was kind of, for, for lack of a better term, one, a one night stand type of mistake that I made that, that ended up making an amazing child out of the deal. Um, and, and so the storytelling and, and stuff, and, and I still, you know, I still joke around with my son now, he's 12 years old, and I still joke around with him. Uh, about certain stories. Um, my, mo my mom, his grandmother used to used to tell him the story about crying wolf and stuff. And that's still one of the things he hasn't seen her in years, but it's still one of the stories that, that me and him will crack up about because of the way she told it wasn't a traditional story. And so it, it's neat to have those connections in our in our minds um, that, that take us out of sometimes that take us out of stress and take us out of reality, take us out of depression, um, which is a big topic we've spoke on uh, lately. Um, tell me a little bit about this, the movie, um, and how it ties in with the book, how they correlate together um, to kind of bring that all into one big perspective. Well, I've actually made two films. Um, the first film is called The Story Within Myth and Fairy Tale and Therapy. And basically, you see six people going through the process and dealing with different aspects of their life through their chosen story and through the arts. Uh, one woman in the film has bipolar, and she's uh, working with the effects of that through the film, and you see her processing mm. and facing her challenges through the story. She chose the little match girl. And another woman uh, was dealing, her parents survived the Holocaust. They were in uh, Auschwitz, and they never talked about it. It was silent. Mm -hmm. She chose the story of Pandora's box. And on film, she actually opens the box for the first time. That's amazing. Yeah, it was ex extremely powerful. And I think they, the book and the film go together because you read the book and it takes you through the different exercises. Then you see them manifest. Playing out. Exactly, exactly. That's truly amazing. Um, what are some of the, I mean, obviously working with these people uh, through the film, um, but also just some of the people you've worked with in your life, How how is it, how does it change you? Um, because obviously there's always that, you know, mm -hmm. the doctor helping the patient thing and the patient, you know, goes about and, and lives happily ever after we always hope. How has the people you've got to work with, or maybe the people that, that are in the, in the, the movie that, that you talk about, how has that changed you? How have the, has it impacted your life and, and helped you grow? Mm, that's a great question. I think um, I was a, I just recently retired from being a professor mm -hmm. in the Department of Creative Arts Therapies. Uh, and I taught the story within for 20 years. And I feel like every single year I learned from my mm -hmm. students. Yeah. Different aspects about the process, something that they brought in that was missing, that needed to be there. So I feel like they constantly taught me. 
Also, my, my second film, uh, which is called The Hidden Face of Suicide, that was a film that I made um, to work on issues around shame and stigma that mm -hmm. still surround suicide. I worked with a Montreal group called Family Survivors of Suicide, and uh, they talked about what it was like to be survivors, to be the ones left behind. Mm -hmm. We also worked with the idea of making masks. So they made masks that are a big part of the film, and we used masks because they said they felt like they had to hide behind a mask and mm -hmm. knew what it's like. So in terms of learning, um, I made the film because I felt like it was important to break the stigma. What I didn't anticipate was that the, the film is kind of screened around the world. It's actually traveled more places than I have. Um, but when I have gone with the screenings, people in the audience stand up and tell their stories for the first time. That's cool. And that I didn't anticipate. One woman at a screening stood up and said, I'm 65. My mother took her own life when I was 25. For 40 years, I've never talked about it. I was too ashamed. That's crazy. That, yeah, that just blew my mind. For 40 years, mm -hmm. she felt she couldn't talk about it. And I had no idea that my film would give people permission to tell their own stories. So I feel like that was a big learning for me, that not only do we... Not only do we make a creation, but that it's the response to the creation that keeps it generative. Mm -hmm. So it's that relationship between the teller and the listener, between the film and the audience, that creates something brand new. So that, that was really um, a huge learning for me and very rewarding. That, that, I was going to say that's that, that sounds really rewarding and, and and as a whole like you said I mean it just makes this whole picture and just creates this energy um, for all involved for 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 you for them for you know just an amazing uh, opportunity to basically touch lives you know and and I, I've been I've been on this big kick lately um, and we kind of talked about it a little bit before we started recording is is with the show the past two weeks I've been going on a lot of my social media platforms and doing lives. And encouraging people to help others and encourage what you know as, as easy as holding a door for someone as easy as giving a compliment a smile a hug um you know uh going through a drive-through and just purchasing the meal behind you and just drive off you know uh just doing things for people you never know what somebody's going through uh somebody could be suicidal somebody could be a, an abuser or the abused uh in a domestic situation and that and at that moment you could meet them at a store be pa in passing hold a door for them and, and give a smile or a compliment that could literally save their life or take them out of a moment that they're in, even for that split second. And so I've always, I've been encouraging that for the past two weeks. And what I find is, is through my journey of trying to teach myself, relearn, practicing kindness in that manner um, and reinforcing it so that it doesn't, so it becomes a second nature to me. So I don't have to think about seeing something and being kind. It just becomes something where I act. And so I'm working on myself to do that. And that's what I've been encouraging a lot of our audience to do. And I, what I find is that when I do that and I offer help to others, it helps me more than anything. It, it, it really, what, what I'm doing to help someone else, it saves my life. It saves my anxiety, my depression. It works, helps work me through the moments where I'm having a hard day. And um, I, I love that you, you speak on the isolation, the depression, you know, these are all things that are, that are big topics we've discussed. Uh, 
Um, but you do workshops uh, on suicide and trauma. And, and I bring that up because I just had a, a good friend and neighbor of mine, a gentleman that was 70 years old. Uh, his wife decided uh, she was going to divorce and leave him in the middle of the COVID stuff going on. And, uh, you know, we checked on him. We thought he was good. We thought everything was good. And, and um, about three months ago, uh, his son, they couldn't get a hold of him and his son come by to check on him. And I was on the back porch of my house and I heard a yell and my wife yelled for me that I needed to get over there and check on Pat. And I jumped the fence. I didn't even use the gate. I ran and I jumped the fence and I ran over there and we, we, the front door was open and I could see his feet on the ground. And I have been through so much traumatic stuff in my life and my wife calls it a light switch. So I, she feels like, and, and I do, I know I, I, I recognize it. I, I have a, a point where when something crazy and traumatic is going on due to my past and my post-traumatic and stuff, I can turn my emotions off. And I literally can do it to the point where I don't, I can get through the moment. I can, I can get the ambulance, the police, I can get everything resolved. And then that light switch goes back on and I can then assess and, and address my feelings. And that's what happened that day. I ran over there and he, and the son couldn't go in. He did, he knew what would happen. He couldn't go in there. Um, I, I walked in, I confirmed, of course, the guy shot himself. It was a gunshot wound to the head. Um, he had been there a while. And so it was quite a mess. And I was able to confirm that. I was able to make sure there was no pulse. He, was, he had been there for a while, came out, asked them to call the ambulance and the police. And, and, and we went from there. And then, you know, obviously that evening and, and days after, and here we are months after, you know, and again, this was a good friend of mine. I love the guy. Um, and, and I recognized that there was some of this I needed to work through because I recognized these were, while the switch came back on, these emotions were there and my wife was there to help me. Um, and, you know, obviously the police and several others had offered, you know, there, there's counseling for this you, if you need it. And, you know, I have been through so much and I've been through the counseling that, that I decided it was, it was a moment that I needed to really reflect at my age on how I used to handle things when I was younger, when I'd witnessed these type things and how I was gonna handle this situation with a good close friend at this age. And so it was tough and I, and I had to work through it. So uh, it really caught my attention when, when I saw that you do, you do workshops and you, and you discuss suicide and trauma. What does that look like? What, what do you do on your end uh, to help maybe bring recognition to suicide? Like you said, a lot of people don't wanna talk about these things. Um, and, and I always encourage our audience that if they're struggling or they're feeling suicidal, speak up, talk to somebody, tell on yourself. Yeah, uh, first of all, I'm sorry about your friend. And, and I love how you started when you talked about just doing simple, kind things for other mm -hmm. people. It's I think important. I feel, especially right now, it's important. Yes. And I also feel like right now, with so much that's going on with the pandemic and the climate and mm -hmm. politics and all of it, yeah. we're all holding so much. So it's really important that we have avenues of connection. So I feel like that's part of what I'm doing right now is really through the book, through my newsletter, uh, through webinars, free webinars. I've offered a lot of, I just did a conference actually hosted by Concordia with nine panelists about story. We had 400 participants. And um, I feel like that this is allowing people to find avenues for themselves. Mm -hmm. to it is for them to tell their stories yeah. find avenues of creativity and uh, and I think in terms of, of trauma 
I think what's so important with trauma is to find a way, a safe way of working with it. Yep. And that's what's so difficult because we don't want to redo the trauma, right? Mm -hmm. We to just go through the same experience again. So for me, I found that working creatively allows what's called an aesthetic distance. It allows a safety. So if you're working with a character and it gets too, too close and too scary, you just come back to this fictional world mm -hmm. and have an amount of space. And then when you're ready, your own trauma comes up in a way that you can deal with it. And I think that's so important with trauma because we really need to have it be gradual mm -hmm. and to have it be safe. Yeah, and I would agree. And, and, and you know, uh, and there's a lot of, you know, uh, traditional doctors and counseling, like I said, I've been through counseling a lot of my life and, um, you know, everybody for, for not to, not to dismiss med, obviously medicine. It's amazing what we've done and come a long way and not to dismiss counseling in, in general. Um, but there's just, there's techniques, um, that are used that, that are effective for individuals and, and it's not effective for others. And, and I think that's exactly where, where your creative uh, type of therapy is, is really um, ingenious, to be honest, um, because there are people that, that aren't good at, at, at voicing and, and, and verbalizing emotion or verbalizing um, what's gone on or how they feel. And, and, you know, traditional counseling, there's so much of a break, you got to get to, you got to get to know a patient, you've got to break down barriers and defenses and, and, and to get to that point. Um, whereas when you put yourself in a creative setting, um, you're so relaxed, you're so calm already, the, the defenses are already down because you're, you're kind of just having fun. You're just kind of enjoying life. Whereas the, the creativeness as well as your emotions can come out so readily and so easily. And, and I can see that being, you know, just very helpful. Um, I, I wish they had had some of that when I was, you know, going through some of the stuff I was going through. Um, you know, some of the coping mechanisms that I had back in the day was addiction and was alcohol. And, and I'm glad that I, I've overcome all of those uh, problems. And I'm at a point now where my coping mechanisms are more uh, based in reality, where I can, I can genuinely uh, look at a problem I'm facing, or if I'm having a bad day, I can, I can look at it and understand it versus reaching for a drink or reaching for a drug uh, or just go make a, a poor decision. Um, and there's a lot of people, and I know in our audience, there's a lot of people that um, they, do, they still don't have those coping skills. And there's a lot of people that, that, that get those coping skills early and are very smart thinkers. And some people don't get that until they're later in life. Me, I, I'm a prime example. You know, here I'm 44 years old and it took me up until about six years ago to really reflect on and start doing some self-help and self-working -work, on myself and, and recognizing that all the decisions that I had made that put me through hardship were bad coping decisions. Um, the tools that I didn't have or I, I had, but I wasn't using. Um, and, and so it's very, you know, with your type of therapy, it's very creative. Um, suicide and trauma has been a part of my life since my earliest memories. I mean, it's, it's my earliest memories. Um, I've lived through so many uh, loss of friends, loss of families, uh, whether it be drug overdoses, murders. Uh, I've lived through so many painful things, um, which I, again is why that light switch is there. I know that's my defense. That's when things get rough, I can hit that switch and, and I'm good, I'm safe. And, but, but I never, for many years, never turned that switch back on. You know, when I'd go through a traumatic event, I'd leave the switch for that event off and I would never address the feelings and I would never 
let down the defense, um, even for myself to look at it. And, and uh, I think it's important that we, you know, we, we do that. And, and I think it's important. I, I've been really encouraging the audience with, with every guest I've had on just recently. Um, it's just so important to look at yourself and reflect on who you are, what you do, why you do it. You know, the why is, is always, you know, that's the, the key that, that's kind of helped me is looking at the why. Why do I think this way? Why do I make this choice when I should be doing this thing? Um, and, and those coping tools, if it's one person we can help um, that may not have those skills, that, that we can recognize, well, this person's struggling with this, what can we offer? And, and it, whether it's coping skills or in your case, you're able to offer, you know, to, to expand their creativity to help them work through a problem. Um, and I think that's just amazing. And I think it's something I encourage the audience to do daily. Um, you know, and, and, and it's not always about, you know, looking for the person that's in need. It's not always about looking for the person that's, that's damaged. It's, it's a matter of just helping everybody. You know, uh, you could be the happiest person on the planet and I can still come over and make your day. And that's what I find it, it, right now in my life. That's the journey I'm on is it's important for me to try to encourage everybody I interact with in every way. Um, no matter what state they're in. Uh, kindness doesn't cost anything. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's one of those things where I wish everybody could get that, that, that it doesn't cost anything. You don't have to spend a penny to just be kind to somebody, uh, give a compliment, give a smile, give a hug. Um, you know, um, working through this pandemic, there's so much isolation. Um, there's so much depression, higher suicide rates, um, a lot of just variables that are unknown. Um, what would you give as advice for, for maybe someone in the audience that's going through that right now? Um, I think, first of all, it's really important to recognize that we are all going through something. Mm -hmm. I think often uh, the idea of mask, I, I work a lot with masks because I feel like we, we feel we have to wear a mask, yeah. that we have to show that we're fine mm -hmm. and that we're tough. And we're not. Now, everything's in upheaval, mm -hmm. right? I think it's important to have people that you can share what's going on behind the mask with, yep. that you share your vulnerability with. Yeah, it's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. Exactly. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to admit that we're going through something. And I think the power of myth and fairy tale is that there's this idea of a quest. Mm -hmm. There's this idea that you're going through something. And there are challenges and obstacles, and that's part of the journey. And I think if we, if we can frame what we're going through in that way, in kind of a mythic frame, mm -hmm. that we're the protagonist, yeah. we're the yeah. hero, but it's tough, and we have to go through some stuff, then it's different. Then it gives what we're going through meaning. Mm -hmm. Meaning-making and a sense of purpose is really essential for being healthy and healing. Um, so I feel like that that finding ways of connecting right now, probably on Zoom, right. and creativity. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you've never done any creativity, mm -hmm. collage, but having someone see that part of you and validating it and, yeah. and witnessing someone else is extremely healing. Yeah, and I, I encourage a lot of my friends and audience um, personally to, to always find, there's a lot of people that just feel they're so alone and they don't realize they're surrounded with people, whether it's friends, family. With In my case, you know, a lot of my family's passed away. A lot of my family's gone. I don't really have family, 
but my wife's side, she has family that's now my family. And then on top of that, um, I have friends that I've known for years. And, and I really encourage people to look for kind of how you said the people in your kind of make your circle, you know, have an accountability partner uh, for times when you're lonely. Uh, there's people that suffer with depression and suicidal thoughts and they need to have an accountability partner. They need to have someone that they can open up and be vulnerable with uh, that can tell, you know, hey, I'm having a bad day. I'm really having terrible thoughts today. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, I might need a little encouragement or I might need you to stop by and check on me. Um, and, and we need that, um, you know, we're human beings, we're, we're designed for companionship, we're designed for fellowship, we're designed to communicate and, and build on relationships. Um, and I think one of the toughest things that, that for me was, and I've discussed this on several episodes, is relationships in general. Uh, friends, I, you know, I used to sabotage those things. It's important that we remember that our relationships are, are some of the most important things we have. And, and having accountability, having people we can be honest with, vulnerable with, um, we can tell our story to and won't be judged. Um, those are things that, that are so important in this world uh, that we live in. Uh, there's so many, obviously, with, with crazy elections and nonsense politics and the media just stirring up everything they can stir up that, that really isn't healthy. It's just not productive. Um, no matter you know, what your viewpoint is, there's better ways to interact as human beings and, and build on relationships and be stronger. Um, and I think that, that that should always supersede whatever our political views or our media views uh, may be. Um, it should always be the human nature. Um, and that's how I've always kind of thought of things and, and more now. Um, tell us a little bit about where, you, where we can get, first off, where we can get the book. Tell us um, some, some of the areas where we can find you maybe on social media, different online platforms. Uh, tell the audience where we can find all that about you. Probably the main place is my website, okay. which is Um There's also a story within Facebook group, and there's a closed story within Facebook group for people that are going through the process. There's now groups all over the world mm -hmm. that form themselves going through the book, and in a way, I think that can help with what you were talking about with the isolation and creativity. And it's, it provides a structure mm -hmm. for people, uh, to support each other through that process. Um, I'm also on Instagram. And I guess that's it. For, oh, and in terms of where to get the book, <clears throat> it's on Amazon. Um, uh, it's on um, Different bookstores have it, and Excellent. all that is available on my website. Excellent. I'm going to go ahead and check. I, I'm a big reader. My son is a huge reader. At 12 years old, the kid reads more books than anyone I've ever seen. Uh, my wife has a library. She's a reader. Um, I'm going to look into getting the book myself because, again, this is part of my journey. This is, this is part of the things I enjoy looking into. And, and you present and you bring to the table uh, something as far as therapy, um, you bring something that I haven't seen or haven't done. And, um, you know, the more knowledge I can get or the more, I guess, outlets that I can look at that, that continue to help me on my journey to be a better father, better husband, better friend, um, I, I, it, I always welcome it. And so I'm going to go ahead and check, check your book out and see if I can't get it as well oh, and okay. take a look at it for sure. So um, on that note, um, you know, I, I want to have you on on a future episode where we can maybe dig a little deeper on the, the, the structure of, of the format of the book. And, and maybe even, um, you know, once I get, a, get to take a look at it and we can get you on in the future, maybe even have an episode where we can kind of 
maybe you can help walk me through a few steps um, of it. And we can kind of work the process maybe in an episode where we can share with the audience what it looks like to start that journey through the book. That sounds interesting. Yeah. And it's just something a little different. Uh, if you haven't tried it before, it would be new to me and new to you too. <laughs> That's so, true. I love things. And I think your show is great. I think it's great that you're raising awareness. Uh, you know, I, if, if I wasn't able to use this platform for what I'm doing and encouraging the audience the way I am and bringing guests on like you that, that can actually touch someone's lives out there, um, I don't think I would be doing this. I, I think if I wasn't able to use this platform for good, um, I don't see a reason to have a, kind of a nonsensical show. Um, I really feel that, that I have a lot to give in my story and my testimony of life. And I feel that giving a platform to people like you and a guest that can, get, can present things that also help uh, through their story um, or their career, I, I feel like that's what I need to be doing. And that's kind of why I started Two Party Podcast. I felt that there was a need for this. Um, while there's tons of self-help and there's tons of all kinds of stuff you can look up online, um, and there's podcasts as well, um, I, I, I don't see a lot that are unfiltered where it's just a person and uh, two people having a communication like we don't have anymore. In this day and age, everyone's on their phone or text or email. And I felt there was a need to have a platform and a podcast show that, that not just was genuine conversation, but on every topic. And, mm -hmm. and anything can be discussed, but at the, at the base of what I want to do is really present a platform where we're able to help and influence the audience, not just give the audience information and resource, but actually try to help somebody out there. And that's what I really enjoy doing about this. Mm. I think that I feel the same way. I feel like I wouldn't have <clears throat> written the book. Yes. If I feel like it could be of help or make the film because why do it? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and I, you know, I, I've always hear, I've heard and I always hear about, you know, what is the legacy you leave behind? And, and to me, I've taken that and I've condensed it down to, I'm not looking at my overall life because probably the legacy of my life and my story isn't exactly something everybody wants to look at and, and call it an example. However, it's been my journey that's, that's made me who I am, but now I've condensed it down to what is my legacy today? What is my legacy in this interview? What is my legacy for the audience that I can bring out and you can bring out? So, so I, instead of looking at the legacy of my entire life in the big picture, I now look at my legacy in the moment and my, my, the legacy of a, of a conversation with one person in each day or uh, just everything I do is a legacy that I work on. Instead of dismissing the moments that we have in life because life is so short, I try to find where I can be impactful in the moment, whether it's the second I speak with someone, the minute I speak with someone, or if it's 10 minutes I speak with someone. Um, how am I being impactful? How am I helping? Um, if I want to sit around and joke and have comedy and fun with somebody, that's, you know, we can do that. We can socialize. Um, but I like to nowadays kind of engage and, and really be genuine in my interactions with people so that I know that the moment I leave that conversation or I leave that person, I, I'm hoping to present something better and leave them in a better place when I walk away. Versus in my past, that wasn't the case. I was more uh, opt to do damage in relationships or sabotage relationships. So that's, that's where I really do enjoy this. And I hope in the future, um, it, it helps one person, you know, if one person gains some insight from the podcast, that's my goal. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's, it's, it's just something I'm real passionate about. So 
Um, again, I, I'll love to, I'd, I'd love to get you booked in the future and maybe do like we discussed, maybe kind of walk through some of the book and, and walk through some of the process you use. Um, I'd love to do that. I think that would be a great, great thing to do um, and, and really help, again, help somebody out there understand um, or somebody that may buy the book and, and really want to see it in action. Maybe we can kind of help on that. So I look forward to doing that. I do too. You have a great day. Okay, you too. Thank you. Yep. Have a great one. Thank you.